welcome to Ops in Lockdown. We've got the lovely Verena Lester here from Clarion Events to talk to us about the world of overseas operations. So before um, we unmute her and get cracking, as usual, I wanted to give you a bit of a reason for why we've chosen this subject. Um, and, and our aim, obviously, with these sessions is to, to come out better than we went in, to give us a broader, more varied view of our jobs and where we sit within that industry. Um, and where better than to uh, look towards the overseas environment. Before I go on, actually, if you hear any background noise, it's because they're digging up my road. <laughs> which is, I'm really missing Aztecs or um, studio this week. Um, so my own experience of the overseas world, uh, especially with a lot of our team, I kind of say we, we start our team off on things like the baby shows, you know, something nice and fair, relatively straightforward that is quite repetitive in its, in its nature. You can improve your skills very easily on a show that turns out five times a year, for example. And then they, we move them on to kind of trade shows, you know, a good, a good solid 80 to 100 stands in a, in a reasonable venue uh, where stand contractors know roughly what they're doing. And we send them on to something like really massive and technical down at Excel and really stretch their boundaries and go into like rigging and load, weight, load bearings and oversized exhibits and all that kind of stuff. And then when they think they know it all, we send them to China and they come back a quivering wreck because everything they thought they knew doesn't exist over there and they have to kind of pull something out of out of the bag and, and it kind of strips away all your network and everything you have learned to rely on takes you back to your very basic core skills of finding answers to problems with what you've got at your disposal. So my personal experience with overseas ops is quite frightening, exciting, uh, nerve-wracking, um, like exposing on every level. And so I thought we'd bring in the expert because V is born and bred international ops. For those of you that don't know her, V um, has spent 23 years of her career living and breathing the uh, international ops game. Uh, she runs shows in pretty much every continent. Um, no challenge is too big. Some of her stories are hilarious. Um, and and you just sit there thinking, thank God that's not me, or that wasn't me. Um, so, B, welcome. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Lou. Yeah, um, I hope, I hope um, I'm able to give um, everyone a little bit of insight into the international world. It's definitely what I, what I call fun. It's probably not what everyone thinks is fun. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been on Zoom calls all day, is that right? I have, yeah. <laughs> I think we're all a little Zoom tired by now. We're all looking forward to getting back face to face. Right, so Fab, we're going we're gonna to dive straight into the questions, if that's all right, B. Yeah, sure. Right, so first of all, we're going to talk about your team, and because your team is broad, far, spread wide and far across the globe, how on earth do you track teams with variable shows variable venue regs and variable country guidance? Um, I guess the reality is that, I don't know, for, for those of you who, I can see lots of faces from Clarion here, I think you'll understand. Um, we work very independently in the different countries. 
and even within the UK office, there are very independent portfolios who pretty much, you know, work in their own ways um, and have very different shows to deliver. So I guess the, the truth is, I can't, I can't keep track of anything. I'm, there's only me and I'm only human. Um, but we have some great teams all over the world. And um, I guess we really trust them locally to have that local, local knowledge and local experience. Um, to be able to deliver and to be able to yeah to, to know what they're doing and know the local market and um, and I guess where we don't where, where we're working from the UK and taking these shows internationally that's a little bit harder because you've then got to fit in with them so so really then we, we lean on where we have that local expertise try and and, um, and lean on their knowledge and experience and advice and, um, and their intel their local intel to really capture some of the intricacies of working in those different places mm. um and and i guess i guess you know we i visit a lot of the shows where i can and i observe and i have I'd, I'd like to think i have a good relationship with all of my heads of ops nationally and we'll talk through some of the things and if i see anything that i don't think looks quite right or that could be better um, then i'll talk to them about that but it's not always relevant in every in every bit of the world. So yeah. How's that? How's it been kind of in lockdown when you've not been able to get on a plane and get over there? Has it made much yeah. of a difference? Actually, it's been um we've had more contact as um as a global team now than we've had before because we're all available on Zoom. So it's just finding <laughs> the right time zone. Um so we'll do some in Asia time zone and some in the US Brazil type time um, time zone. And um, and trying to figure out how we get ourselves out of this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, you've been a big part of the All Secure Standards document that um, has come come out. So I can imagine you've been spending hours um, like cross-referencing that in every country that you might be deployed yeah, to. Yeah, and, and that's completely different. Every um, every call we have, and we've had several calls with the different bits different parts of the world and every call is different and they have a different concern and a different question you know how am I meant to fulfill this and that's not an issue mm -hmm. some things that are relevant for us here are relevant everywhere else in the world so, yeah mm, yeah um talk me through um a couple of your biggest learning curves uh from running overseas shows yeah I think um yeah there are so many learning curves I guess I guess the main thing I would say for someone who's never run a show internationally is the most important thing is to is really to understand what your suppliers can deliver for you. So obviously you've got you, you've got to go and do your venue search. You've got to figure out what that venue is capable of providing for you in the first place. You know, can you hang things off a rig? Sometimes these structures aren't built with those you know with some of the things you want to build in mind. Um, so understand the structure of the venue, understand your suppliers, understand what they can give you, um, and and really try and talk their language. I think I think that's really quite critical. Um, go local as much as you can. Um, you know, talk to lots of people, figure out who the different suppliers are, what they can do. Um, I think we're really keen on supporting local businesses as well. That's when we when we take our shows internationally, we're we're really keen a because it you know it makes it easier when you need a last minute order. But um, 
but also creating that strong relationship with those suppliers and understanding their capabilities. Um, you know, you can't, in the UK, Shell Scheme is standard. In the, in the US, if you try and build something with Shell Scheme, you'll, you'll go bankrupt. <laughs> so, you know, you, you really have to figure out what, what they can offer you and um, really understand that. I think um, one of the biggest examples was we did a really exciting project, very luckily, in, um, in Mauritius. And that was really tough. I mean, it was... Hold on one second, sorry. Yeah. Can you move a bit closer to your microphone? Because I don't want anyone to miss out on the, on the Mauritius conversation and they're struggling to hear you. Okay, sorry. I'm going to put my surround on. Is that better? Hello, everyone. We have a thumbs up. Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry. Um, when we ran the show in Mauritius, it was a really exciting um, event. It was very different to what we'd ever done before. It was a greenfield event. You know, we were in a football field and we didn't know any suppliers. We'd never worked out there. And actually, they didn't really have an events industry in the way that we have in lots of other parts of the world. They have one shell space. I think we've lost you all together, Vic. Uh, am I here? I'm still here. Yeah. I'm still here. Okay. You know, they, they have very limited capabilities in terms of their suppliers and what they can deliver. Mm. Um, and that was really tough. So we, we didn't have much option. We got a quote for someone to build the marquees only to realize a couple of months later, they didn't actually own the marquees, but they'd given us a quote. Um, so that was quite difficult. Um, we also, um, yeah, so I guess understanding what people can do, um, you know, how much the signage, the local signage supplier could, could produce in the time that we had given them and, being realistic with the deadlines because often they give you a deadline because they want to please you and they want to say yes. And it's really understanding um, if that is a real deadline or if you're really pushing them beyond what they're capable of delivering. Yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, I guess really understanding what your suppliers are able to do and building those relationships, I think, is, is, a, big, is a huge part of that. And really um, making sure that your expectations are outlined quite early on. And I, I would always say that sometimes what you feel might be almost a rude question in terms of, is this exactly what I'm going to get, is actually really quite critical because what you might expect might be completely different to what, to what they expect. You know, an embroidered bag could be an embroidered bag or it could be an embroidered bag. You know, so show them a picture of what you're expecting. Um, yeah, yeah. Really clear. We're, um, we're still struggling a little bit with your with your sound oh. kind of in and out. Do you want to um to shoot out and then kind of try and reconnect? See if that yeah. will work. Okay. Well, while, um, while V's doing that, I'll, I'll give my own kind of version of Mauritius. It wasn't Mauritius though, I don't think. I mean, one of, one of uh, the shows that the team worked on last year, we'd gone through a whole uh, process of uh, like getting quotes in for gangway carpets. And it wasn't until about two weeks before the show that um, we finally got the feedback that the quote that they'd given us was just for a meter down the middle. It wasn't for it wasn't for what we'd we'd thought we'd asked for, but clearly 
we um, we didn't uh, specify it too clearly. Um, so I think on it, so when V and I have been talking, that's definitely been a, a big part of, of it. When you think um, something is clear and straightforward, you almost need to take your reference terms back, back a step. There's, um, there's a great, um, if you ever talk to Charlie from Olympia, uh, from, the fire, um, from the fire team, um, he, uh, he used to do, he used to train trainers um, in the forces and he would say kind of break down your exactly what you want and then take it two or three steps even beyond beyond that uh, what you think is obvious is never is never going to be as obvious um to other people right, i wonder where she's she's can anyone see her on i'm back can you hear me is that any better is that a thumbs up everyone or not is that any better i can hear you Ish. Might need to shout. <laughs> okay, I'll shout. As okay. It's, <laughs> it's sod's law, isn't it? I've had no problems whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and trying to talk to lots of people. So hopefully, there's a, is my mic picking up that sound? Yes, I yeah, can hear okay. you now. I think we've got a couple of people that it can, if, if um, we'll, we'll get it through, back through on a recording anyway, if any of you want to catch up. I was just um, filling them in on my kind of uh, um, one metre wide carpet um, that arrived at a show last year instead of the edge to edge that we thought we'd, we'd um, put in place. Yeah, it, I mean, you can't be, you can't be too specific about, about an order that you make really. Um, yeah. You know, we've we've turned up to catering that we expected to be served in in crockery, and they've served it in paper plates and plastic cups. You know, it's yeah. when it's just not that sort of event. So, really, be Thanks. specific. So, Ash, um, hi, Ash again. Hello. Um, it turns out Ash and I are pretty much neighbours, which is exciting. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Ash has just said that recently worked in Panama. Asked if asked the centre if they had a forklift. They said they did. Um, could they use it? Yes, they could. On arrival, found out it wasn't working. It hadn't been working for six weeks. And their response was, they said, you didn't ask if it was working, which I think just about sums, sums up working overseas. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really nerve wracking at times. I think, um, well, with, with the Mauritius example I was giving you, in the end, of course, the supplier didn't have the marquees that they'd quoted to give us. Um, so we ended up shipping from South Africa instead. And what the shippers didn't tell us was that at one point they'd lost one of the 19 um, containers at sea, but it got there in the end. But they didn't tell us at the time. Um, and um, when, when, we built, when we built the marquee, there was only one crane on the island that could lift it. So we had to 100% make sure that we had it on the right dates with the right crew to, 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 to work the crane and then pray that the weather wasn't going to be too windy to lift it all up, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. So how does, um, how does gender affect working overseas? Um, gender is a difficult one. I think um, I've worked in places like, um, like Dubai, where um, we work on a lot of African shows with ministers. So there's a few examples there. But I think um, in Dubai in particular, I... Um, I went to a meeting and one of my colleagues accompanied me and a male colleague accompanied me and the meeting was with a with a male member of this um, of the Dubai Convention Center 
and um, he wouldn't look me in the eye at all. He'd refer all questions to my colleague who wasn't talking at all. And um, it was all very weird. And I walked away thinking, that was odd. Why wouldn't he talk to me? And, um, and I spoke to one of the local girls who, who was working with us on the show, and she said, they do it out of respect. And it, it's, it is very different um, in some places. Mm -hmm. And I think um, had I gone in with that understanding in, in advance, I wouldn't have sort of sat in the meeting all the time thinking, why are you not talking to me rather than actually focusing on the meeting and what I was trying to get out. But, um, and sometimes, yeah. you know, you meet, we meet ministers from places like Saudi who don't necessarily, you know, want to shake your hand. So I guess, you know, maybe always understand, um, yeah, understand what that culture is and, mm. um, and, that, and that comfort zone for them as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a touchy topic sometimes, especially because a lot of us are, are, you know, women going into those, um, a lot of organizers are, are obviously women and going into those mm. countries sometimes it makes it a little bit difficult. Um, yeah, in Eastern yeah. Europe, not so much nowadays, but in the early days when they started opening up the ex-communist kind of um, countries, sometimes a little bit, you know, we're a little bit difficult on taking orders as such from, from women. So, yeah, we've, yeah. you know. It's tricky. Yeah. We've got on our kind of, on our project management system, um, a, a specific like project file called, just called China. Um, that's got all the things that we pick up as we as we go out there, all the um, other ways to kind of ask for things or or to say things in local language or you know one of our team um, had some issues kind of on the on the racism side over there, which is quite hard quite hard and and just bonkers to to get your head around sometimes. And, and it does remind we we'd obviously definitely not got not got anywhere near where we need to on gender or or race here. But it does remind you of just how big a gap there can be sometimes. Um, yeah. and to, what you've got to understand the nuances and the things that you've got to understand when you're trying to get something over a line. Um, so when it comes to kind of tender negotiation, we've kind of talked a little bit already about being specific, um, but um and and also local but what about kind of negotiation and um i mean we've we've had some real shockers of uh, of quotes um in the past you know and um in particular in the us um and and in mauritius you know we've had quotes that have come back av quotes for example that have come back at 250 grand when our quote when you know when our budget was you know maybe 60 um mm. and actually it was an interesting journey. I think again, Mauritius is another good example. But um, what we what we sought to understand through conversation with them was that actually the import taxes are really expensive out there, and so you know whereas here we could buy a clicker off Amazon for ten quid, they you know they were charging us two hundred and fifty quid rental per per clicker, and you, you kind of think you know or, or laser laser pointers. They, they were the two things that really stood out as. I can get that. I can get that on Amazon for nothing. And we said, yeah, yeah. but we haven't got Amazon here. So, <laughs> you know, they have, and they have to pay the import taxes and then they have to really look after that kit. And um, so, so it's really understanding why, what, what, is, what is it that's driving that cost and yeah. um, trying to find the best way to, to work with them over it. And also, again, it goes to their capabilities, isn't it? If you ask them to, to quote you LED screens and they just don't have them, 
mm. then you know or you want a back projection in an in AV kit and they just don't have that sort of kit um, really it's about understanding what they can provide first before you go and ask for what you need um, yeah but also well, don't be afraid to just ask because we've had quotes from the US in particular where they've given us some crazy quotes and we've gone absolutely not we you know you've you need to cut that to 20% of what you've given me. And actually a lot of the time we get there pretty much there or thereabouts. Um, yeah. so sometimes they're just trying it on. And in some countries we're, we're seen as, you know, a very um, cash rich country. And mm. so they do, some countries do just try it on, but um, see, you know, see that they can charge you that sort of um, yeah. more than, more than, more than what you're expecting. Yeah. Um, so don't, yeah, don't be afraid to ask. I think um, we've where we've um, struggled sometimes is is where where you're using um, an all services provider over there because it's easier to keep it all under one roof rather than go down a whole subcontracted kind of chain of or you know mixing trades over there. Um, that if that full service contractor doesn't want to do what you're asking them to do, sometimes to just say it's just not done that way here. We just don't do it like that. Um, yeah. Kind of, it just takes a bit of tenacity and um, dedication, shall we say? Yeah. Your required end result. We had um, we had a terrible situation um, in Shanghai once, where the mix of the marble floors and the humidity, along oh. with the, they polished the marble because the government were coming in beforehand and, and it needed to look beautiful, meant that it was basically an ice skating rink. And um, we'd, we had one cracked skull, one broken back, and they were still insisting that there were no grip, there was no, no such thing in China as grip tape, <laughs> you know, kind of that we could put on the edge of, edge of the steps to stop <laughs> basically sliding. Only it took, all of my team, I think there were three of us literally standing on as many staircases as we could trying to stop people from walking down these staircases because they just wouldn't do anything about it. There was just a guy in the organizer's office just giving people money to go to hospital. <laughs> and that was their solution. You can go, this is nuts. And it took, you know, one of my team in her 20s to Hail a, hail a cab and find a local DIY store somewhere, search it high and low for grip tape and bring it back for them to go, oh, is that what you mean? Like, oh, that's what you mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's what I mean. <laughs> you just didn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, I think, I think um, sometimes you, you, you ask the question, sometimes you just don't get the answers that you need in advance, you know, so you can ask some questions, you don't get everything. We, we did an event in Africa, I forget where now, not Madagascar, somewhere else, but um, we asked um, the, yeah, health and safety, the health and safety person, which I, at least there was one um, person in advance. So when I got on site, I went through my list of, right, you know, where's where are my fire alarms and he's like oh we don't have any okay so um so what happens if there is a fire well you shout loudly and i was like so i shout loudly and, and then i shout loudly and get everyone and i was like but what if you're not here you could be here i will be here all the time okay so what if we have an emergency and he said if someone's hurt themselves and they need to go to hospital what's the ambulance number oh no we don't have ambulances here you just stick 
them in the Oh, I've lost you. Far and take them. <laughs> I was like, okay, just me knows <laughs> back. Am I, am I back? Excellent. Um, what one piece of advice would you give to an overseas newbie? Oh, actually, don't keep it to one if you like. You can say you can say a couple. Oh, you're frozen. Yeah. So. Oh. I'm back. I think you're back. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Did you get that last question? No, I didn't, sorry. So if you could pass on one piece of advice to an overseas newbie, what would it be? Um, ask as many questions as you can in advance. Um, and really, I think, I think the main thing is to expect, expect there to be problems. Mm. And and I think I guess the main thing is in our roles, it's it's about thinking on your feet and trying to come up with with the best solution, the best solutions possible, um, in in whatever situation you get thrown. I think everyone looks looks at us to to be the swans, you know, we're the ones feet paddling under the water, but really keeping really calm. And um, people are always going to look to us for solutions. Um, yeah. And and just just be that solution and just think, you know, that. I, I, I think this was one of my um, my big event bloopers was um, we turned up to a show in Ghana and um, the venue showed us around to what was our exhibition room and uh, it there was no ceiling. <laughs> um, you know, you, at that point you can't fix it. You can't, you just can't fix <laughs> a roof in, in that amount of time. So really, you know, it was around, it was about communicating with the exhibitors at, the, at that point in time and apologizing and doing what we could to make it the most comfortable experience possible the Africans were all fine the Europeans sweated their way through it but but kind of <laughs> really laughed along with us um, and checking the ceiling height definitely went on our checklist after that <laughs> <laughs> yes I bet I just I just can't yeah I can I can feel that pit of your stomach kind of Oh my God, why this didn't... This my exhibition room. This isn't a room. It has no ceiling. <laughs> yeah. I can just imagine looking up and just seeing direct sunlight and going, oh, geez. Um, actually, speaking of that, um, we're going to be um, running a session at the end of July, our final Ops in Lockdown session, which is going to relate specifically to that. So I'm going to come back, come back to that in a moment. Um, I completely agree with kind of what you say in terms of um, expecting something to go wrong and just using what you have um, at, at your fingertips. Uh, kind of you, you find a way around things, isn't it? Don't you? And, and I think sometimes in the UK, we're quite closeted and comfortable in our environment in terms of perfection and what we see as, as a success in terms of events and and the, and the goal, the kind of gold standard to which we aspire to and everything needs to be great and perfect and we're all control freaks. And you go over there and you're like, okay, what's, what's the absolute basics of an event? Is there drink in the fridge? Um, are there people? And can they get in and out? Okay, we've got an event. Like, and then anything else is almost a bonus. <laughs> you kind of have to rework your, your lowest common denominator of an event. I see it. what I mean. Oh, we, we had a we had a show where um, the venue just cut the lights totally um, to 
to the pre pre-open and it meant we had to lay a whole pool of carpet gangway carpet by iphone night um you just use what you've got at your fingertips don't you however <laughs> however painful that might be <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I think actually in some countries, they're just used to that sort of stuff. You know, so in Africa, they do have lots of power cuts. So mm. for the suppliers, it's, you know, you might be sat there in a complete panic, but the suppliers deal with this sort of stuff all the time. So, um, yeah, it, it, it is. It's difficult. And I think sometimes as, as you know, for us at Clarion, sometimes we go into events that are, you know, run by our local offices. And I, you know, I turned up to a show in, in Jakarta, which honestly terrifies me till today. Every stand building to seven meters, these people hanging off the top of, um, uh, of, of scaffold towers with, with no, you know, no shoes on, um, let alone any safety harnesses and what have you. Um, and you. And you sort of, you know, so the conversation then is actually about finding a long-term plan. And, um, and this is where our friends at the AO really help because, um, you know, we, we talk to lots of different people who are having the same kind of concerns and try and work at it together. Um, mm. but, but really, uh, you know, a five-year plan of, you know, how, how do we get from, from that standard, which is just, for me, terrifying which is mm. for them very normal day to day. This is what they do every day. They hang off the top of a tower in a construction site in that venue day in, day out. Um, how do you change that mindset? Um, and really that's the, that's the long-term goal. But my ops manager was in, in Jakarta was really chuffed to tell me that the following year, everyone had shoes on, you know, so baby steps <laughs> for us, but a really big achievement for them. Um, yeah. yeah. And, yeah absolutely uh, a safer build with no hurt feet um so. yes <laughs> brilliant right we're out of time already i told you we'd only get through half the questions um thank you so much v um that's You're all welcome. been really it's a pleasure um it's great to see you again join us on socials thank you for your time today thank you v for your time and i look Thanks, forward v. to seeing you next week <laughs>